Well, good morning again. Wow, that was robust. You guys feel robust today. Man, you've already been called fat once. Now I'm calling you, <laughs> calling you robust, robust of spirit. Yes. Praise God. Hey, if you haven't been with us or haven't caught up online, uh, if, you, if you missed the videos, you can go to cocfamily.com and uh, with or without the www to get you to the same place. Or you can go in our Facebook group or our Facebook page. So there's a few places that you can catch up on the messages. Uh, but we've been talking about the presence of God in our, our series, Distinguished People. And we've been so excited about, man, what, just how God has been showing up in our, in our services, in our lives, how he's changing hearts and what he's doing. And uh, we're just, we're super excited about that. And so today, hmm, that's how we're going today. So today, you guys ever had something in your head, but you're not quite sure you can communicate it the way that, you, that it's in your head? Is that just me? Anybody else? Okay. All right. Who have, how many of you have been to an IMAX theater? An IMAX, the big, like 80-foot screen, and it's like straight up and down. We went to Valley Fair to the IMAX theater, theater probably in about 1984, maybe somewhere in there. Right, exactly. They had movies back then. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you feel, you feel like you're immersed in the movie. And it's always some National Geographic thing, you know, we're flying over cliffs, you know, and lots of wildlife. The last time we were there, it was fish jumping, and you kind of flew along with them or whatever, and birds swooping down. In my head this morning, that's kind of what's going on. This big IMAX screen, and it's this National Geographic, like Jacques Cousteau kind of, it's underwater, and it's octopus wrestling. There's all these tentacles, and just imagine like the score of music and the, just the vastness of it. And so as I was kind of preparing this, I've got so much that I want to say, and I, well, maybe I should go this direction, and maybe I feel like I'm wrestling tentacles all over the place. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need help. So imagine that's playing out in my mind, but I, with intention, want to present something that looks a little more like this. <laughs> I want to see if I can take that. IMAX, tentacles flying everywhere, and theatric score, and just, and really try to bring it down to something that we can digest today. I just don't know if I can accomplish that. So if I'm just, if I just look bewildered in the middle of this, and I'm just rambling, just say octopus, and we'll just, we'll see if we can get it back. <laughs> Cartoon octopus, because <laughs> we want to make this digestible. So, uh, the verses that we've been going off of is in Exodus. We've stripped most of them away, just a couple key ones today. Exodus 33, 9. This is Moses. You know, he set up the tent away from the camp. He says, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance as the Lord spoke with Moses. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about meeting with the Lord. We're talking about the presence of God being manifest in our life. God is, all, God is everywhere, right? But there's a special showing up that God does. We, you know, the theologians call it his manifest presence. It's all over in the Word of God. It's everywhere in the Word of God. New Testament, Old Testament. You see that God shows up and things happen. And so we've been talking about how important it is to walk with the presence of the Lord. And so this is Exodus 33. Exodus 33, God already has said he's, he's everywhere. He fills the heavens and the earth. But Moses still says, if your presence doesn't go with us, Wait a minute, even way back then, they already knew God is everywhere. It's who he is. He just fills all things in every way. But Moses said, if your presence, like if, if the specialness, like if this cloud and fire, if the, if the revealed presence of God doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. Because this is where the distinguished people comes from. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And we found out last time, this is the review of last time, this one slide to experience the presence of God, you gotta, you've got to set up the tent. You gotta, you've got you've to do the work. And that means positioning your life, positioning your heart, doing some of the things that we're actually going to talk about today. You've got you've to prepare to meet with the Lord. You've got to set up that tent, right? Moses could have said, well, God's God. If he wants to meet me, I'm right here. You know? But he set up a place. And now we are the temple. So it's not so much setting up a place, even though that, that, that's important as well, having a prayer place and a worship place or whatever, but it's preparing our heart, doing the work. You need to get outside the camp. Sometimes you need to silence the other voices in your life. Not always because they're evil, just because you need to focus on the Lord. 
Stephen was talking about that today. Just in this season right now, he's just pressing into to the Lord right now and seeing what, what God has to say. And thirdly, we'll talk a little more, uh, igniting your soul for God. Moses said, if you don't go, I'm not going. Show me your glory, right? Talking to God, man, that, like, whoa, do you know who you're talking to, buddy? He said, I'd, I'd rather die with an audacious request on my lips than live without the presence of God. I'd rather, rather face death. I'd rather face, face smoting from, from the, the flaming mountain, the God of the flaming mountain, right? I'd rather face that potential with my audacity to say, show me your glory and I want your presence. I'd rather, rather face the, the, the option of death rather than go on without the Lord, knowing that he's going to be present every step of the way. And I think that's a lot of us Christians, and this is not meant to be as mean as it sounds. It sounds really mean. It's not, not meant to be. It's meant to be just truthful. There's a lot of us, we're, we're just really comfortable going on without God. Like I, said, I love Jesus. He loves me, right? And we're, and we're just good. We're just kind of good. That's, that's not good. It's not good to be good. <laughs> it's good to be good, but we need to get stirred to the place where we go, ah. I don't want to do this without you, Jesus. Like, I get it. God's grace. Right? I, I get all that. Yet, I still know there's more. There's more of, of a leaning into him that he can show up in ways. I, I haven't seen every prayer answered yet. I haven't seen every person that I prayed for healed. I haven't seen every relationship restored. I haven't seen my own heart get to where it needs to be. And so because of that, I'm not good. I'm good, but I'm not good. I'm like, God, I want you to go with me. Dwell. Manifest. I know we're, we're mixing some Old Testament and New Testament. There's some dangers in that, but that's okay. You can handle it because we're talking about the manifest presence of God, God showing up and doing things. So, huh? <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? Oh, no, I forgot this was on here. Let me see if I can get to this. Talking about the presence of God, can I read a, a text to you, is that okay? Okay. And I asked if I could, I asked the people in the text if I could do this and do it anonymously, and they said, you don't need to do it anonymously. So it's from George and Dory, and uh, they go to church here. They're in uh, New Mexico right now, correct? I think, maybe, not? I don't know. They're traveling. Arizona, I don't know. They're Colorado, uh, Puerto Rico. I don't know. They're somewhere. <laughs> They're somewhere. They're somewhere. And Dory says this. So... My question is, before I read this, as I was just processing this, I'm like, you know, I, I've, I've had these conversations where we can sometimes in our, in our church groups get so churchy that we think that everyone knows everything about what we're talking about. And I think sometimes if you don't come from a background of really talking about the presence of God and the manifest presence of God and God showing up, God showing up, like what are you, dude, what are you even talking about? And so that's what I kind of want to poke at just a little bit. That's where all this, the spaghetti, the octopus arms are just are like, oh, I could say this. We should talk about this. Like, what does it mean if you're just like, if your question this morning is like, yeah, like, I, like it sounds good, but I, what do you mean by like God showed up? Like, I know you said he's everywhere, but then he's not, but he is, but he's still, but he shows it. Like, I don't, I don't really know what that means. Have I been in the presence of God? I don't, I don't know if I know that or not. And if I have been or haven't been, can I be? And how do I do that? So that's what I want to kind of poke at. And I'm not going to answer all your questions today. That's the octopus arms are going everywhere. So I want to just try to just dump a little bit real quickly here. Um, but I found it really interesting that we got this text and it was exactly what I was going to be talking about. So, so they were kind of in that spot that some of you might be, where you're going like, I don't, like what are you actually talking about? So she, she says that George and I watched the, the COC broadcast where Avery and Aspen, that was last week, where Avery and Aspen shared uh, about Aspen's prayer and both of them kind of experiencing God's presence. And it was so powerful. And, I, and just thank you for those that have shared testimonies with me. And they're like, whoa. That was so powerful. I want the fire of God in me. Like, I want to experience God's presence like that. So thank you. I don't know if Avery and Aspen are here, but they're in the nursery. Thank you, Avery and Aspen, for, for stirring something that wants to ignite a hunger in other people. Come on now. And so they said they watched that, that video, 
uh, and about experiencing the Holy Spirit's presence, and they said that they're Jesus freaks from the 1970s, from the charismatic renewal. And that was a movement that swept through America back in the late 60s, early 70s, where hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ, hippies mostly, right? All these drug addicts just getting saved. Just you open a church, and then all of a sudden, they're all pouring in B.O. and all, right? Long hair, and, and uh, it's not covered up as they should be. And, and they just, they were hungry. They wanted to know something real. And so some of the churches that were able to handle people that don't look like church people, uh, Greg Laurie is one of those people. And so there's a movie about it. And uh, so she said, uh, as Jesus freaks of the 1970s, the charismatic renewal, we went to conferences, and that was a new experience for us. And said that we had, they had this experience of God's presence, but as they went back to their homes and their family and even their church, they would have this excitement, and, but like, people just didn't get it. And so that's, that's, that's kind of what's in my mind today. I'm like, how can I help bridge the gap for the people that just don't get it? And that, that's, not a, that's not a dig. That's not pointing finger. That's just saying, let, let me help you see if we can cross to the other side of understanding kind of what we're talking about. And so, so she said that we had this great experience, and then there would be nothing. So she said, uh, little, did we, little did we know that his presence is carried within and without. She said, we knew the words, but not the experience, not the continued experience, right? They'd gotten in the, this group of people who were excited about the presence of God, and then they left that, and they, like, and they didn't know that you could take that presence of God with you, that not just the God is everywhere presence, but the presence where God shows up and does things. So she says, is this it? We would ask ourselves. So for years in their walk with Christ, they had, they had tasted that there's more, but didn't know what it was or how to frame it. She said, it wasn't until the Lord sent us back to Rossalt and to COC did we begin to experience his holy presence in our camper. And it has never ended. On the floor, weeping just out of the blue. We rejoice that we now get it. Like it makes like it it makes sense now. So, if George and Dory, if I've messed that up at all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope I communicated that in the right way. And uh, so, just just uh, I was reading yesterday about about D.L. Moody. I gave you that quote today, but I was was reading about him last night and how he he had done the stuff and he was preaching and and it was good and he would you know kind of got more responsibility and the church grew some or whatever. And, you know, he was getting a little more popular or whatever and had more preaching engagements. And, but not a lot was happening. One or two people would get saved. And there's this moment in D.L. Moody's life that he was walking down the street and the Lord showed up. This is a guy who loves Jesus, who's preaching the gospel, who's doing the stuff, and who prays, and who, who fasts, and who commits himself to the Lord, who's getting sin out of his life. But this moment that God showed up and he scrambled quickly to a friend of his house, a friend of his who had a house and said, do you have a room that I can be in? And the friend said, yeah, there's a, a room over there or whatever. So he went and locked himself away in this room and the presence of the Lord showed up so strongly that he begged God to stop because he was going to die. This is D.L. Moody, who you don't think of as like a charismatic kind of preacher. This is back in the 1800s. And, he's, and he said he rarely spoke of it because it was such a holy moment and so precious to him. And he went out the next day, preached his same notes to the same people, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people started getting saved. And he's going, what did I do? He encountered God. Well, he got saved. No, he didn't. He was saved. He was walking with the Lord. He was faithful. He was a man of God. He was walking in holiness. He was doing all the right stuff, but he encountered the presence of God in a way that was tangible, in a way that was so holy for him, he hardly ever spoke of it. And the people that witnessed it documented from that day on, 
every time he spoke, thousands of people would respond instead of one or two. That's what I'm talking about. And so I thought, you know, this morning I just I asked a couple of people real quick. I think we're going to probably run out of time before I'm all said and done with my spaghetti monster today. But um, I just asked a couple of people, like just someone that's not the pastor. What does the presence of God mean to you? What are we What are we talking about? Do you have an experience, or do you have a thought on it? Or and it doesn't be real long, you know. Just so I just had a couple of people that I've already talked to last minute, which you shouldn't do, but I did. It's because that's how I roll. <laughs> And uh, Stan and Marilyn Snaza, my distant relatives, are going <laughs> to share just a little, like, what does the presence of God mean to you? Or what has your experience been? Or how would you define it? Or I don't know, whatever you want to say, like, related to the presence of God. Oh, well, okay. Kirk called me last night and asked me about this. <clears throat> I started thinking of the, the big things, you know, a conference or something, worship time but I started thinking more in everyday life. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He wants to be a part of our everyday life. The little things, you know. And the more we can yield to him, the more he will be a part of it. And I was just, uh, <laughs> I got blessed with some wood equipment in my shop from Kirk and Allen. And didn't really have a place to put it, so I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went out. This is just an example. I went out to my shop and just sat there and asked the Holy Spirit for guidance and what I should do. And he, it was just a few minutes. He showed me take this out and move that over. This did, and you know, it just so simple, but so profound. I just love it, and he, he'll guide you every day if, if you let him. Yeah. I'm trying to make more room, yeah. like yeah. Kirk talked about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a process. It is a definite yeah. process. Yeah. Don't get frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, Stan just told me this morning that we were supposed to do this. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> he did less. Um, I just... I asked him, what, what part, what do you want me to share today that somebody needs to hear or something? No, ask God. Okay. <laughs> I don't ask Stan anything. <laughs> I go to the top. <laughs> so basically, I just kind of got <clears throat> how, for me, it's, it's a pr his presence is a joy and a peace that I walk in, try to walk in daily, and together we try to be, we try to practice kindness and keep it kind around our home. <laughs> and <laughs> but we are human, and sometimes we get in these arguments that are so stupid, <laughs> just fleshy, selfish things, and that's when I don't feel the peace and the joy it go it go it's not that the holy spirit leaves me it's that my selfishness jumps out front <laughs> and just messes it up <laughs> and so we try really hard <laughs> to keep it as kind because we can feel that atmosphere in our home yeah. when we're both not being selfish <laughs> so that's mainly what i think he wanted can i say something yes. I'm a relative, too. <laughs> so if it's bad, it's on Kirk. Okay. Um, I was just, I guess last week I was, I was seeking God as much as I could, and, and he told me, he said, you need to get rid of David, which means my... You marry the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> she tells me that quite often. But I mean, just... To get rid of Dave and let God, you know, and that's the thing. It's a selfish thing. And I, you know, Mary and I, we, I mean, we still have to work and it, it gets, we're getting not, we're in that age where it's getting tougher and tougher. And I keep asking God, you have to show us something, what we need to do and this and that. And But this morning again, twice, God told me, he says, haven't I taken care of you? And that's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's there to take care of us. And I think everyone in this building has to know that because we're here. Somehow we had enough finances or will in life that we are here. So he does take care of us. So. Yeah, um, by the way, he told me this morning. Anyways, the first thing that came to mind was, I don't know how many know of his health conditions that he had with his heart, and he had open-heart surgery and ended up getting an infection that ate his whole sternum. So there we are back in the waiting room as they're taking him to the operating room. And I was sitting with my family, and I remember I needed to get away from them. I needed to get alone with God. And I remember standing at that hospital window looking out, and I said, okay, God, he's yours. If you choose to take him, I trust you. And I do ask that you allow him to get through this. But it was such a presence of God, I had such a peace. I mean, that's not an easy thing to say. And the other one, a short one, my grandson was in the Marines. And when he left to get on the airplane for the first time, I said, Austin, if you ever need me to pray, just ask God for that. So I was texting him back and forth, and one night I shared with him what God had told me and prayed, and you know what he texted me back? I asked God for that. So God is faithful, and if you want to say presence, what was this during worship? That is profound presence. Thank you. Jerry? Short? Short. Praise God. The presence of God for me, I think it's different for every person. Just like your thumbprint is different, I think God's presence is different with every person. I, I think the end result is probably the same. I try to pray in the Spirit, in tongues, all day long. Paul said that. He said, I pray more in the Spirit than any of you all. He was talking to a crowd of many, many people. And it seems like that when I go somewhere, if I just will pray in the Spirit or sing in the Spirit, when I get there, something usually fabulous happens. Like that trip I told about to Wagner. Boom. God just right there. Someone was there. The other day, this is the simplest little thing you could ever imagine. I was straightening out some bolts in my bolt bin and here was a washer that was in the wrong place. So I took that washer and it wasn't a real washer, it was kind of a bushing thing. So I put it in my pocket. I went on about to work. And then so I got to working on my grinder. Uh, it has a brush on it and I took that wore out so I was gonna put a new one on. And when I put that new one on, it needed that exact washer. Man, I mean, I don't even, that's the only one I know of I got in the whole right. place. Right. I, I thought, what the world? <laughs> and it's just, that's the way the presence of God is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. um, one day I went out to look at a guy's rake, or look at his equipment, and uh, he had told me he had colon cancer and he had a bag on I was looking at that rake, and all of a sudden the Spirit said, pray for him. And I just turned around, and I put my hand right on his gut, and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And that man no longer has a bag. Wow. Cancer is gone. Wow. And I've been asking him to come here and give his testimony. Wow. I, don't, I don't even know that he knows the Lord, but I don't. I mean, I, I tell him about the Lord, but I don't know that he knows the Lord. And so I pray that. That would be an experience that he wanted me to go talk, uh, pray yeah. with his girlfriend that yeah. has uh, cancer and yeah. all that. But wow. more to come. More to come. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And more distant relatives, final ones. <laughs> I don't like talking when I can't see who I'm talking to. As <laughs> um, I was just listening, I was thinking about the fact that we're older, the ones of us that are, that are sharing, but we're human, just like every one of you. You say, well, you know, that's good for them. They Look how long they've lived and all the stuff they've experienced. 
But what I want to boil it down to um, is preparation. You know, saying that we desire and want the presence of God in our lives is good. But then talking about building the tent and, and doing the work. So Kirk called me. This is really unusual. He called me last night. You called me last night, too. And then, but Kathy was sitting next to me, so she heard because it was on speaker, so she had a little more time than you did. But so on the preparation side, I got a notebook and a pen, and I thought about it last night, and I put the notebook and the pen by my nightstand, and I set the alarm extra early so I'd have more time to sit and think and pray to have this great God moment to share. Uh, I got nothing. (laughs) But what I want you to remember is how important the preparation is. On Sunday mornings, you know, you think, oh, this worship team's good, you know, and this is so wonderful. Well, there's, there's prayer in there. There's preparation. There's praying over the songs. When I get up in the morning, I get up earlier on Sundays than any other day because I go through and listen to all the songs on YouTube to prepare my heart for what we're going to do because it's important to foster and have a place and be ready for the Spirit of God to come. And I don't want to be the one that's a hindrance because I wasn't doing the work and I wasn't prepared and I wasn't ready. When we went to Brownsville to that revival down there and we'd watch hundreds of people go forward at the altar call, the amount of work that went into that and the prayer before the revival started, nobody knows. But when you see God move like that in the hearts of people, you just weep. Just like when we used to go to Canada, to Saskatoon, with Pastor Fearing, and all these people would come forward and get saved and would get healed. Jerry, you know, and you remember, we would just stand there and weep because we knew God was in the house. And there's a difference between just doing the thing and being in agreement and doing it yourself. Putting yourself in that place and say, God, you know, it's, it's got to be you. If, I, if I'm going to grow and if I'm going to live in this place of just being in your presence, being at peace and being hungry and being willing to step out and pray for somebody or make that phone call or hear when your spirit talks and speaks to somebody, I've got to do the work. So that's what I got. Do the work. I'm like Jim. I like eye contact. So, um, I love Brandon Lake's song, Just Talking to Jesus, Talking with Jesus. And so that's kind of my, that's what I do. And this, I like Jim, I did not know, okay, what God moment? This morning. This morning when I got up and I looked in the mirror, I knew. It literally took me to my knees because this is an experience that changed my life. And I can tell you it happened. I can tell you the date that it happened. It happened April 13th, which was a Friday back in 1973. I had made a wrong choice and there was no way out. So I thought other than to commit suicide. The Holy Spirit has addressed that a couple times this morning. So obviously there may be somebody here who could be considering. I don't know. Or maybe in the future. But God showed up. I remember it was dusk. I decided this was it. I'd driven by this bridge many times. And I said, this is going to be it. This is the night. This is the time. It was dusk. I went out to my car. And as I was trying to unlock the door, it would not unlock. It was just kind of stuck. So I'm like crying and upset. And then there was that suddenly but God moment. Just put your hand out. right-handed it was like this invisible hand took my hand and then 
other hand was over here. And the Holy Spirit was just saying, you don't have to do this. I was spiraling into a bottomless, there, were, there was no rock bottom. It was just going down, down, down. And he showed up. And I remember I had written a note. I had turned around then, and I walked up to my dorm room. Fortunately, I didn't have any roommates with me. But I sensed this all the way up into my room, and I got on my face, and I thanked the Lord. I said, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you're with me, and I get it. And so he is with us. Whether it's rock bottom, no bottom, he is with us. And he will show up. That changed my life. That was 50 years ago. Then there's been forgiveness issues, like the Holy Spirit sitting there in the chair. Are you listening to this message? Take care of it. I took care of it. And ever since then, I walk with Jesus. Sometimes, you know, he might be, I sense like, okay, you're in the other room or you're on the other side of the world, but I know that he's there. And then there's other times where it's like Avery. He's right there in the car seat, always there wanting to listen. So that was my God moment this moment, this morning. And um, just because the songs, how the Holy Spirit orchestrated the songs and then the words that have been spoken. If you are here and you are spiraling, there is hope. God will show up in your life. Yes. Amen. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As I was just kind of talking with them on the phone and talking this morning and just kind of talking through this, like how do I, how do I, how can I say this as simply as possible? Because it's, it's easy to lay a foundation, theological foundation, and really kind of point to scriptures. Like, how can I say this really simple? The, the danger with oversimplifying then is people think it's just a formula or I can just, but you, there's always that tension. And so I was just talking through this with them. And I said, I think for me, if I, if I was to just like say, what are we talking about when we're saying, if we're saying, if we say the phrase, God, God showed up, if I say that, those words like wait what am I meaning here's here's what I'm meaning I'm meaning a lot of times what I'm meaning is that that something changed either inside of me or in the atmosphere that other people can experience as well that it's different now than it was 30 seconds ago that that's kind of what I mean I'll tell you about mine this morning I came in kind of kind of heavy-hearted for the last couple days my spirit's been a little heavy I don't feel like it's been, you know, I've kind of prayed against spiritual attack after the, you know, a month ago or three weeks ago, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know that it's that. And I'm, I'm still not really sure what's going on, but uh, it was just, I was just praying this morning and, and just kind of just seeking the Lord and like not really feeling the presence of God. And, but, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And so we don't go by feelings. And so just pressing in and being faithful and like, okay, God. And, and I uh, wasn't even praying about my own spirit, other than, you know, help me to be prepared, help me to, you know, so was here about 10 to 7 this morning and, and just just made coffee and then just went right to prayer and just was praying and, and uh, praying for you guys, praying for the service this morning. And all of a sudden, instantly, after about 40 minutes of prayer, I hadn't prayed about my own soul and kind of dealing with this heaviness or whatever, didn't even pray anything about that. Instantly, I was filled with joy and hope and expectancy for the service this morning. I didn't work it up. I didn't listen to a good preacher. I'm like, I'm for all that stuff. But it wasn't soul-based. It was spirit-based. God showed up. That's what I'm talking about. Well, pastor, wasn't God here already? God, we've been at this for three weeks now. Yes, he's here. But he showed up in a way that he wasn't showing up. I don't know how it works. I know that it works. Okay, I don't know why D.L. Moody preached week after week after week, you know, thousands of messages, and a few people got saved, and then he had an encounter.
worked with God, and then thousands of people got saved. Same material. He didn't be like, oh, you got some new gospel innovation track thing? Like, no, I'm preaching this exact same stuff, but something happened. I'm different now than I was one minute ago. Something's different now. Had an encounter with God, and it's different now. So I would, I, some examples might be, and all of these examples that we've heard today are glorious, and they're so perfect. It's exactly what I was looking for, you guys. But I was, some example, Mary kind of alluded to one of my examples. You're in a hospital room. Everyone's weeping. You're, you're scared. There's a lot of fear in the room, right? I don't know what this, and you get a test from the doctor, and it's, and it's, positive and that's a bad thing and you're like oh no now what and there's just this dread that comes on you and you're like okay God whoa we're really fearful right now help you know and sometimes all you can do is God help and you just you pray or you just start to sing a worship song or whatever it is and all of a sudden one minute ago I was gripped with fear and right now I'm filled with peace I didn't listen to a seven-point sermon on how the Lord of the harvest works and moves and heals and how they can turn this situation around I should listen to that. But in that moment, I didn't. Just God showed up, and now I, I contain something of God within me now that I didn't before. God changes atmospheres. I read a, a few of the revival, different revival things. People would just come into the town, and they would sense the presence of God there. Sometimes people don't have words for it. A lot of times, a lot of times. I've been here, this, is the, this year is 30 years now. Over the 30 years of people coming in here, Hey, we don't know what it is about this place. It's either love it or hate it. <laughs> like, they, they left at halftime, and we never saw them again. And they're just like, yeah, whoa, we don't know what's going on there, but we don't want no part of that. Or they go, I don't know what's going on there. I really like it, but I don't, they don't have words for it. They sense the presence of Jesus. They can't really explain, but they're, they're, there's, there's something real. It's not just a feeling. If feelings are involved because we're body, soul, and spirit, but they sent these something tangible. And I just, I don't know, I grew up with an awesome mom and dad that experienced the supernatural presence of God. So after I ran from God, you know, and came back to the Lord, I've just walked in the presence of the Lord a lot. And you, you like Jim said, you got to do the work. Oh, I'm just feeling kind of frumpy today. Oh, I guess God's not near. Shut up. Shut your face and get into word and start praying and spend some, do the work. Don't let your emotions be the boss. Shut your yap and yap, you yapper. Okay? Oh, my soul, I will boast in the Lord. Right? You got to do the work. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just things change. Sometimes you're, you've been hopeless and all of a sudden just the Lord shows up and speaks one word. And you're just like, Whoa. And all of a sudden, it just unfolds. Sometimes it's just, you're stuck, and like my dad shared, it's just revelation. He just prayed. I'm like, where should I put this equipment? Right? What a tough retired life to have, huh? <laughs> like your biggest prayer request is where to put my new equipment. <laughs> wow. It's good. But it's just all of a sudden, it's just revelation. Lord, I don't know what to do in this moment. And God just breathed, and just all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have thoughts in your head that weren't there a minute ago, and they're like, how to... How did I think of that? I'm pretty smart. No, you're not. The presence of the Lord just came with wisdom. The spirit of wisdom just showed up in your life. Sometimes uh, it's a conviction of sin. Like all of a sudden, you're in the presence of God, and you're like, oh, this needs to change. Kathy talked about that. Unforgiveness or bitterness or you know something that you're doing habitually that needs to stop now. And, and the Lord puts his finger on it. The preacher can present the word of God and show you those things, but we need the Holy Spirit to really plant that in our hearts and say, that word is right. We need to not do those things, or we need to get rid of this in our life, or need to not hang on to this thing that's, that's ungodly. Sometimes it's this massive awe and fear of God. I can think of about three times one of them was in Chicago, and we were with about 15,000 people. Whew. Can't even talk about it without... Man, that was a holy moment. <laughs> and there's discrepancies on how long it actually went. I had, had looked at my watch or my phone, and I think it was about 28 minutes. Some people said 22 minutes. But it was a spontaneous praise and a shout to the Lord. That lasted over 22 minutes. 
you have no idea how long 22 minutes is. You might think you know, but you don't know. I promise you, you don't know how long screaming at the top of your lungs is with 15,000 people for 22 minutes, even if it was 12 minutes. And it was so intense. And it was this spontaneous God moment. And the band, the band finally just, I shared about a youth thing where the band did that. They just finally quit. because, And for three hours, these kids just sought the Lord. And they kept singing. And they kept singing. And they kept worshiping. And they kept singing. I shared that story last week. This was a different time. This is in Chicago. And we got 15,000 men, women, and children. And we're just, we're just going after God. And, and, the, and the band just stopped. They just sat down. Like, we don't know what to do here. And we're going, ah, hallelujah. I mean, eyes closed and hands raised. And God's spirit so filled that place. And then there was a moment. I had a D.L. Moody moment. And I said, God, I'm going I'm to die. Like, um, I, had, I had fear gripped me. And not, it's so hard as much as Jesus is your buddy, you stand before the Lord God Almighty, and the scripture happens. They fell as though dead. Right? You just, like, Jesus is our interface, right? He's the transformer, <laughs> because it's 10 bajillion volts coming through. Jesus gives us the grace that we can see him face to face. But Old Testament Jehovah God is still true. You see his face, you die. I'm just saying, without Jesus, without the blood of Jesus, without that entrance, and I felt we were getting so close, and I, I, I honestly didn't know if my feet were still on the ground or not. It, like, call it emotionalism, I, I was there. I know. And I was scared. And I can think of one or two other times where I've been, I'm like, and in my head I'm going, well, if you die, you're going to be with Jesus. Like, it's good, but you're st like, you can't help yourself. You're in such awe and fear. And you're just like, this is a holy moment. God, I don't even move wrong. And I know I'm forgiven, right? It's not that. It's just that he's so holy, and he's so pure, and he's so ginormous. Whoa. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I'm trying. There's octopuses everywhere. <laughs> And I remember we came back. Yeah. We're talking about the profound, tangible yeah. presence of yeah. the Lord. Yep. What we went through with losing our son and Dave's health and everything, and I was one time quiet mm -hmm. with the Lord. You know what he said to me? I have kept you. Yeah. So remember that. Yes. Yes. Yep. I did. Yeah, I didn't feel the presence of God. There. Right. Me, right. Yep. And we would get into that, but we're out of time. Yeah, the octopus ran away. No, it's so good. Um, I just, I want to share so much because it's so rich right now. Just the presence of Jesus is just, like, it's, it's when, it's when one minute ago it wasn't like this, but now it's, it, there's something of God that's in me or in the atmosphere that other people can tangibly feel. Have you ever been in a service where you just, Maybe you're not at the place where you sense God's presence or whatever, but you're like, whoa, they said that, and that's exactly what they were saying, and that's exactly the thread of God's orchestration of the service. His presence is there to kind of line things up to go exactly how it should be. We'll wind down here just in a second. I got a couple Charles Spurgeon quotes we'll end with, I think, maybe, who knows. Maybe God will just show up and wipe us all out, and we'll just be in his presence forever. I don't know. But I was, and I don't want, I just, I think I want to share this story real quick. We were riding motorcycle, and it was kind of my, like I was, I was living for Jesus. I had come back to the Lord. I was living at home, right? I was kind of defrosting my hardened, wretched soul that had been immersed in drugs and alcohol and every other debauchery kind of thing you could think of. And I was kind of thawing out. I'd moved to Hawaii for a little bit. And, and my friends there had fallen in love with Jesus. And, and uh, Misty had come out of the cocaine scene in Dallas in the 80s. I mean, a hardcore. And he got married to my buddy John. And so I lived with them for a while. And they're just walking with Jesus now. And I felt the presence of God in their home like I felt in my mom and dad's home. I'm like, oh. And I remember, I, I remember just, just soaking. Just, of course, you're in Hawaii, so it's pretty easy. But, you know. <laughs> 
but my soul was in turmoil. I'm walking with God now, but it's still unraveling. There's still a lot of threads. There's still a lot of forgiveness. There's still a lot of healing that needed to happen. I remember laying at the end, sitting, kneeling. I used to, once my mom gave me some Larry Lee tapes and how to tarry an hour. And so I would, I would spend an hour, at least an hour every day in prayer and just in the presence of the Lord. And I remember being on the end of my bed, hunched over my bed, and it was finally time. And I remember some of the... It just was like I didn't physically vomit, but I felt it come up. It was like it was some pain and, and unforgiveness and garbage. And I, just, I remember heaving, and I remember it just coming out. The Lord was just just His presence, and so I just I learned to cultivate that presence of God. And so, about eight months after I'd gotten saved, riding with my my cousin, we're driving a motorcycle, and I'm and I'm walking in the presence of God, but a, you know pretty casually, and not really pressing into the Lord. And so we had been up by Eden, and we decided we were going to zip home and, and uh, get some stuff, get some more clothes or chain, get gas or whatever we were going to do, and uh, then go do some more riding. And we'd been riding for a couple days, and so I was getting really used to the bike, and, uh, and uh, we were riding in the ditches, hitting all the approaches, you know, and just jumping and doing lots of jumps and stuff. And, and uh, there was a slough there, and so I couldn't keep going in the ditch. So I'm going about 45 or 15, so I pull up on the highway, but then the slough ended, then there was a fence, and then there was just a little bit of grass and then another approach. I'm like, ooh, I'm not letting that one get away. So now I'm kind of in like road gear. So I slow down and I'm on this Honda that's pretty doggy. Like it doesn't have lots of snap uh, when it's in low RPMs. So I'm in too high of gear, going about 50 probably. And I slow down to probably 45. And I, the last minute, I got to miss the fence and then dive down and then hit the approach. So I do that skillfully. Only when I hit the approach, there's nothing there because it's <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm flying. And I remember looking up and seeing the ground. I just, I, that was my last memory. And... Uh, I don't remember my cousin coming. I guess my helmet was full to the top of the helmet. He, I was laying on my back. He scooped all the, all the dirt out of my helmet so he could see my face. He said my eyes were rolled back in my head. And I was just you know, kind of shaking like that. And he's, he's, I don't remember any of this. He's screaming at me, are you alive? Are you alive? Are you alive? And the first thing I remember, Jerry, is waking up praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. And then he's, he's, I go, where am I? You crashed. We're on our way home, but you crashed. You crashed your motorcycle. And then he said, my eyes would roll back in my head. And this that happened about three or four times. And I finally kind of came to, and the part that I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. This was, I don't know, a lot of years ago. Uh, I was probably 21 or 22, 21, I think. And uh, I just remember the voice of the Lord speaking. It, it was like he was standing right next to me. And he said, you should be dead. Your neck should be broken, but I'm not done using you yet. And the presence of God was just so on my life. And it was from that moment on that I started to say, all right, God, I know you're real. I know I'm walking with you. I know I'm going to heaven if I die. Like, like it's not that. But I'm like, I want to be all in. Like, if there's more, is there more? It's like, it's like George and Dory. Is this, is this all there is? Is there more? If there's more, I want it. God, if there's more, I want it. If there's more of you, if there's more of me to give, if there, I, don't, I don't even have the language for it, but if there's more, I want that. And so that's, that ignited my heart uh, to be on approach for this. Oh, I'll save my other story till next time. You think of Charles Spurgeon, you don't tend to think of tingle bumps and, and you know, just, like, he's a, he's a preacher, right? Like, you don't tend to think of, like, just the presence of God and whatever. But I want to I quote, or read these quotes from Charles Spurgeon, and we'll finish up. Charles Spurgeon says this, When the soul comes in contact with Jesus, he becomes the object of full attention. 
then we feel that there's something to be grasped and realized. He's not distant, but he's real and he has influence over us. He'll take us by the hand. Some of you have felt this. He's explaining to his, his congregation, like you felt this. He's, he's doing what, in this message, what I'm doing this morning. He's like, some of you guys, you don't know what you felt. You don't like, you're just like, yeah, I didn't grow up that way. And you're, oh, we feel God. That just, it sounds dumb to me. I'm just saying. But what he's, what he's saying is like, some of you have felt that you haven't known what that is. But you felt that. That's the, he's saying that's the presence of God. When you focus on Jesus, he comes close, he draws near, and you've, you've felt that. He goes on to say this. It has frequently happened that when we're gathered, you, you thought, you just had this urge that you had to pray. That's the presence of Jesus. It's nudging your heart. You felt that the sermon was made just for you, as though someone had told the preacher about you. The truth came so close to home that the details of the preacher's speech fit the condition of your mind. That was our blessed Lord taking you by the hand. To you, the service wasn't comprised of man's words, but a mysterious hand that touched you. Your feelings were affected and your heart became aware of new emotions originating from the presence of the Savior. Of course, Jesus doesn't come into physical contact with us. He touches our mental and spiritual components. The mind of the Lord Jesus lays its hand upon the mind of sinners and the Holy Spirit influences the soul for holiness and truth. Isn't that beautiful? Charles Spurgeon is saying 150 years ago, what I'm saying to you today, that guys, there's more. There's more. We're not just, cha- we're, we can be accused of and guilty of sometimes of just chasing after an emotion. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about where the presence of the Lord moves my heart. I become more Christ-like, changes the atmosphere, and people that are far from God sense something different and want to change their life. And we talk about some of the profound things, but I, I love that multiple ones of you said this, this is just, it's an everyday thing. You can experience this presence every single day. Like we're chasing after the big stuff too, but we're not only, we're chasing after Jesus. So we want Jesus to show up just in the moments where he just holds us, where he just gets us through the day. We want his presence where he changes us. And we also want Jesus present in big ways where 27 people get healed and 45 people get saved and everything in between where it's this still small voice where God's just leading us and with us and near us and guiding us where I'm not just doing the Christian stuff he's walking with me does that make sense at all I know I didn't address a hundred things and we'll get to more next time and I still will not address a hundred things but we'll wrestle the octopus one more Sunday, I think, and see if, see if we can see some ways that I can actually really do this. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, I bless this people today. Thank you that we are people of the presence, that, the, that we are marked people, that we are marked by your presence, Jesus. Your spirit is upon us and within us and among us. God, you are separating us and drawing us nearer to you. We bless these people today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.